Hello. Everybody doing all right? Don't you love it when somebody asks a question like that in a large group? Like I can really hear all of your individual answers. Um, before, we, before we dive in this morning, um, next week, uh, Pastor Scott's beginning a new series called Whisper, um, all about how, to, how do we hear from God? How do we hear God? What does God sound like? Um, what do we do with that? Um, and so we want your feedback as we kind of enter into this for a little element we're going to do. And so if you, you, have a, you have a cell phone now, you can go ahead and type out this number that's about to, that's on the, that's about to be on the screen. Um, what does God's voice sound like to you? We would love for you to text that number and just tell us, what does God's voice sound like? What do you think God sounds like? And we're going to kind of be utilizing some of that over the next few weeks as we um, talk about that series called uh, Whisper. So I'm excited about that. I, I think it's going to be um, really cool for, for a lot of us. I think we're all going to get a lot out of that uh, because God still speaks. And I think sometimes um, we're really kind of iffy on how that works. And so we want to we wanna be um, pretty practical and straightforward with that. So how does, what does God's voice sound like? Text that number, and uh, that will start um, next week. How many of you would consider yourself warriors? Anybody? Consider yourself worry. You, you worry because there's nothing to worry about. You worry because everything seems to be going okay. Oh, my gosh, when is something going to break? Um, some people are just kind of wired as worriers. Um, it's kind of in the mom handbook. You're supposed to worry. Um, moms, some of you, you, you feel like that's part of your part-time job um, is worrying about your kids or your full-time job is worrying about your kids. Um, I looked up uh, the top 10 things that people worry about, and I don't know um, where this list came from, so these may not be completely right, but I thought it was, it was pretty accurate. Uh, 10, 10 things that we worry about. Number one, work. Anybody got that one? Worry about work, uh, whether it's what you're doing at work, whether it's who you work with, um, whether it's keeping your job. Um, number two, which I kind of thought this would be, number one is money. Anybody worry about money? I think that's a, that's a big stressor in a, lot of, in a lot of people's lives, a lot of marriages. That's one of the big stressors is, is the worry of money. Um, being late, anybody worry about that? Um, some of you worried about that as you walked in after that last song. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had to give you a hard time about that. Um, being late, that's one of those that, that I tend to be early everywhere I go because I do concern myself with being late. Um, a friend or relative's health, anybody? Concerned about a relative and their health, your own health, uh, especially uh, as as you get older. Uh, relationships, anybody? Relationships, marriage, relationships with kids, relationships with parents, uh, relationships with coworkers. Uh, missing a plane or a bus, unless you fly a lot. I don't think that one's huge around here. We don't necessarily take a lot of bus trips, but missing a plane or a bus, um, not waking up to your alarm. Anybody? Literally, I wake up at 5.20 on Sunday mornings, and I woke up at 4.55 this morning and could not go back to sleep because I was worried that I was not going to wake up when my alarm actually went off. Um, our appearance, nobody's going to raise their hand, but you know it's, it's a lot of you. Um, our family safety, moms, just go ahead and shoot your hands up. In, in, in May of last year, Time Magazine wrote an article that said that 40% of Americans were just as anxious as they were the year before. May 2018, 40% of Americans said they were just as anxious as they were the year before. Another 39% said that they were more anxious than just the year before. 
So 40% were just as anxious, 39% were more anxious, 68% of respondents said keeping myself or my family safe and my health made them either somewhat or extremely anxious. 67% said the same of paying my bills or my expenses makes them somewhat anxious or extremely anxious. This morning, for the next few minutes, I want to talk from the idea of anxiety and worry. But let me set it up before this, by this. I understand that there are anxiety things and worry things and depression things that we can't treat in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. It is very real, and just because you suffer from depression, anxiety, that sort of thing does not make you not spiritual enough, okay? What I'm talking about this morning is I'm talking about specifically worry and anxiety that comes from worry, but if you suffer from this and you need help, you need to, you need to get help. We're not going to take care of that in, in 30 minutes this morning, so I just want to set it up that way, but I do want to talk for the next few minutes about worry because the Bible speaks to worry. And my title this morning is The Seed and the Soil. The Seed and the Soil. The Bible speaks to worry. It speaks to anxiety. As a matter of fact, the, the, the passage we're going to be in this morning is, is in Mark 4. Mark 4. And just to kind of set this up, um, this is uh, where Jesus begins to teach in parables. Now, for those of you that don't have a church background, you don't quite understand what a parable is, a parable is um, something that would have not been strange to um, to Jesus' audience. Uh, parables, Jewish parables, were, were pretty common in the day. It was, it was a way of, of speaking. It was a way of communicating. And so Jesus in Mark 4 begins to speak in these parables. And the Bible says that the reason that Jesus spoke in parables is because it kind of had an underlying meaning, and it kind of took some digging in order to get the truth out of it. And so the people that really wanted to understand, Jesus believed that they would understand, that they would dig, dig deeper. Now, a parable is a story, but it's a fictitious story. So it's not like this didn't like literally happen, but a parable is a fictitious story that could have happened. And oftentimes parables, or all the time, parables would have settings, characters, that kind of thing that, that would have resonated with Jesus' audience. That's what makes a parable. But the parable we're about to read about seeds and soil, of course, in an agricultural culture would have really resonated with the audience that Jesus is speaking to. And so in Mark chapter 4, Jesus begins this series of parables, and he starts out by talking about some seed and some soil, about uh, scattering seed on different kinds of soil. And basically the idea that Jesus is trying to convey is that uh, when people hear my word, some people are going to have the faith to believe it and dig deeper into it and apply it to their lives, while some people are just going to kind of skim over it. It's kind of like when you come to church on a Sunday morning or when you read scripture and literally the second it comes in your ear, it goes out the other and you never take time to, to think about it or to meditate on it or to pray through it or to even revisit it. Um, Jesus said there's some people that are just going to completely forget and it's going to be gone. And then there's going to be these other people that dig deep roots, that, that, that think about it, that pray about it, that live it out. And then he moves on to a parable about a lamp and how those of us that are believers, we're called to live lives that, that light the way of Jesus, that you don't take a lamp and, and put it under a bowl. And then he comes back to the parable we're going to talk about today. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives this parable that's focused on the kingdom 
of God. Now, if you're taking notes, the kingdom of God is like this invisible place where God rules. And so anywhere God rules is the kingdom of God. When we allow him to rule in our lives, that's the kingdom of God. And so Jesus begins talking about this parable that talks about if God, when God rules and the benefits from that, the benefits of God's authority and control in our lives. And so he begins this parable about faith in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And this is what, this is what it says. It says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. I want to give you two thoughts to combat worry this morning. Number one, know what to sow. Know what to sow. Jesus says, it's kind of like a farmer, and I have some seeds in my pocket. Sunflower seeds, actually. Uh, but Jesus says, the kingdom of God is kind of like a farmer who goes out and he sows seed. But the, the thing about seed, though, is that seed is something that you can't really see at first, right? A seed starts out what? A seed starts out small. And so this farmer goes out and he throws out this seed that he can't necessarily do anything with. You know, most things don't start in full maturity. Have you ever thought about that? Most things start as, as a seed. Babies start as a seed. Businesses start with a dream. Accomplishments start with a goal. Savings accounts start with a zero balance. Most things start with a seed. Some of you are like, that's where mine's stuck. Most things start with a seed. And here is the first place where a lot of us bring worry and anxiety into this place is you're still in the seed stage. And so because you can't see it yet, you're worried about what's going to become of it. Because you can't see it yet, there's anxiety that comes with it. And you wonder, am I doing the right thing, don't you? Because when something's in seed stage, when your dream is in seed stage, when your children are in seed stage, you wonder, am I making the right decisions? Am I doing the right thing? And because it's small, you can't really tell yet. And there's anxiety and there's worry that comes with something being in seed stage. This farmer is throwing out seeds. He's not throwing out the crop. He's throwing out seeds. And some of you this morning, you bring worry into this place because you really are wondering, am I doing the right things? Am I sowing the right seeds? You wonder, when will it grow? You wonder, will it grow? You wonder, will that friend that I've been inviting to church, will they ever come? Will my coworker ever accept Christ? Will I ever be able to get into a conversation with them about, about what I believe? You wonder, will that dream ever get off the ground? Because it's in seed stage. And so the anxiety first comes when something is in seed stage. Because here's what I know. We live in a culture that doesn't like to sm start small. Don't we? We live in a culture that doesn't like to start small and doesn't like to wait. Literally, anything I want to cook right now, I can go pop in the microwave. And it may not taste the best. But I can literally almost cook about anything in a matter of just a few minutes in my microwave, right? Pizza hot pocket, two and a half minutes. Have you ever noticed Hot Pockets are either frozen or molten lava? Anyway, Hot Pocket, two and a half minutes, and boom, I have my lunch or my snack. Cars, right? We can literally, between cars and planes, we can literally be just about anywhere in the world in a matter 
of ours. We're used to instant validation, right? There's this thing called Facebook, and I don't know if y'all have heard of it, but, but like literally I can take a picture and I can post it on Facebook and I can get instant validation that my outfit's okay or that my meal cooked out okay or I can get instant validation that I'm in the right place or that I'm doing better than they are. We have instant validation at, the, at our fingertips. We have instant confirmation of who we are at our fingertips. We have, we have internet search used to, some of you that are under like 15, used to, if we didn't know the answer to something, we would have to call people and try to find out, hey, do you remember that song? It went, <laughs> but now, what? You just Google the lyrics and Boom, the song just pops up. And not only can you figure out the lyrics to the song, but you can hit a button on your phone and it'll stream it right to you instantaneous. We live in a culture that doesn't like to wait and doesn't understand the concept of starting small. And so some of you, you were worried this morning and the antidote to your worry is going to be that you trust the seed. That you trust that you're putting good stuff in the ground and that you trust that something good is growing. But seeds take time, right? Seeds take time. You see, our parable, in, our, our job in this parable, it says the farmer goes out and he scattered seeds. Some of you think you're the grower of the seeds when actually you're just the sower. Our job is to sow the seed. Our job is to go and to throw out the seed. How do you sow good seed? You sow it by being honest by living a life of integrity, even when it's not convenient, even when it could, could cost you? How do you sow good seed? You, you sow good seed by, by, by living a life that represents Christ, if you're a believer. How do you sow good seed? You, you sow it by being kind to people, by trying to love people. How do you sow good seed? You do it through effort, not being lazy. You sow good seed. And the thing about seeds is they produce in full what you start in small. So if I'm sowing good seed, some of you this morning, you need to know that you are sowing good seed and what's starting in small will turn into something good in full because you started it good. Our worry comes when, when it's small. For, for some of you this morning, your biggest source of anxiety is from the seeds that you've sown in the past that you know haven't been good. Some of you, you are trapped in worry and anxiety and fear, and it's because of something you've done in your past. And yes, you did it. Yes, you made that mistake. Yes, you sowed some bad seeds. Yes, you cut some deals you shouldn't have cut. Yes, you did some things that you shouldn't have done, but there's such a thing called Roundup. And the seeds that you sow back then, the only thing that you can do is sow good soil, from, good seeds from now on. This farmer goes out and he scatters seeds. Some of you this morning think you're either too young or too old to start planting good seed now because all you see is the seed and you're thinking, if I, if, if, if I wait and if I just sow a seed, I can't, I'm too old, I can't, I can't, I can't plant something and then wait for it to come up. I read a story about a lady this week who is 102 years old. How many 102-year-olds we have in the building? Anybody? I'm just kidding. 
she's 102 years old, and she has these paintings in this museum that just opened. Do you know when she started painting? When she was 85. It's never too old to start sowing, to know what to sow. It's never too old to start sowing that dream. My question this morning is, if you're worried, what seeds are you planting? What seeds are you planting? Because here's something I know. Oftentimes, our anxiety is tied to our action. In other words, some of you, some of us, we've, we've been doing these actions, and because we haven't been given at our best, or because we haven't been acting with integrity, it's causing some anxiety in our life. And the only way to get rid of the anxiety is to change the action, to know what to sow, to start sowing some good stuff, to start throwing down some good seed and say, God, I trust you. And my job right now is just to sow good stuff, just to do the best I can, just to act with integrity, just to act with excellence. That's the best thing that I can do right now. So once the farmer sows the seeds, the farmer has to do what gets a lot of you. That's the waiting part. Verse 27 says, night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not, look at that last line, he does not understand how it happens. The second point, know what to sow and trust while it grows. Know what to sow, trust while it go, grows. In other words, give God your best, trust him with the rest. Say that with me. Give God your best, trust him with the rest. It sounds like a nursery rhyme or something that you would teach your kids. Give God your best, trust God with the rest. Because our job is not to grow the seed. Our job is not to be the soil. We are the farmer. And if the farmer tries to do the soil's job, no wonder they're going to get frustrated. No wonder they're going to get fed up and want to quit. No wonder they're going to stay awake worrying, how do I do this? Because some of us this morning, you're trying to do a job that wasn't directed towards you. Much of our anxiety comes when we focus on growing the seed rather than sowing the seed. When we focus on growing the seed rather than sowing the seed. Some of you, you lie awake at night and you're worried about things that are beyond your control. You're lying awake worrying about the very thing God is growing in your life. You're worried because it feels like things just aren't growing at the rate that you wanted them to grow. Like, I thought I would be somewhere different right now. I thought something different would be going on. I thought they would be behaving differently. I thought my savings account would be beyond zero by now. You're laying awake and you're thinking about things that God is already growing. Your anxiety, in other words, is coming because you're trying to control things that are beyond your control. You're trying to control things that are beyond your Control, when you filled out the application, but you're waiting for the phone call. When the doctors ran the test, but you don't have the results. When you've made the apology, but haven't heard back. When you signed the papers, but you haven't heard back. 
when someone is sick, but there's nothing you can do. When you've done your best to raise godly kids, and then they leave the house. When you've done your best at your job for years, and you've been with this company for a long time, but cuts are being made. I have to do my best and trust God with the rest. And notice, this farmer, whether he's asleep or awake, he doesn't understand how it happens, but somehow the seed grows. Some of you, and this is my big thing, some of us get so worried because we trust the seed, but we don't trust the timing. And so I want to know the what, I want to know the why, and I want to know the when. The parable says that, that the farmer, he doesn't understand how it happens. He's asleep, he's awake, he's asleep, he's awake. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't know when the crop is going to come. He doesn't know when it's going to grow. He doesn't know when the seed that he scattered in good faith, he doesn't know when it's coming up, but he continues to, to trust. He's done his best, and he's going to trust God with the rest. Some of us, we get so fixated on, on the when. When is this going to happen? And I'm an impatient person. Let me just be honest. I'm an impatient person, and so this is a big one of mine. I want to know, like, when. Like, I, I don't have a problem most of the time believing God. Like, when God speaks something into me, I don't have a problem believing it. My question is, God, when? Like, you said it a year ago. Where is it? You said it yesterday. Where is it? And some of you are trapped in worry. Not because you don't trust God, but because you don't trust God's timing. And one of the number one tricks of the enemy is to try to convince you that the thing God spoke to you is never going to happen. That the word of God isn't true. Because if he can get you to doubt that, he can get you to doubt the very foundation of your faith. We see this theme of doing and then trusting running throughout Scripture. Paul writes in Philippians 4, starting in verse 6, do not worry about what? Anything. Now, if you take that word anything and you divide it up, it's a compound word, right? But if you take that word anything and you divide it up, what does it mean? Any thing. Any thing. In other words, for a lot of us, the thing that we are worried about are the any things. This one thing in my life, when will this happen? Will I be able to pay this bill? Will this relationship be okay? When will this pain end? How is this going to play out? Many of us, we are worried about the any things of life. This one part, this one part that I am trying to control we get so bogged down in the any things of life. And the problem with that is that if you are constantly concerned with this one minor thing that probably doesn't make that big of a difference in the long run, and it doesn't go away, it shakes your faith. If it doesn't go your way. And so some of us, we're focused on this one plot in, on the timeline of our lives. We're focused on this one point of the timeline of our lives, the any things of life. But watch what Paul continues to say in the last part of the verse. He says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Instead, pray about everything. So what Paul is doing is he's trying to change our perspective, isn't he? He's saying, right now, 
you're worried about this anything. You're worried about this one thing. And I'm not dismissing that one thing in your life, but I know it's just a thing. I know it's just a thing. I know it's just a thing that probably won't matter in a year. It won't matter in two years. But that thing you're trying to control and you're trying to keep inside of your box, Paul says, don't worry about that anything. Pray about everything. Because what it does is it lifts our perspective. And all of a sudden, when that one thing doesn't go our way, all of a sudden, when, when that one thing we've been worried about doesn't go well, we can say, well, there, there's a lot more work here. Paul says, pray about everything. Romans 8.28, one of the most common verses in all of Scripture, and if you're looking for a Scripture to memorize, it's a perfect one. But it says, and we know that God works all things to the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. In other words, what Romans 8.28 says is saying, this anything may not be going your way, but if you focus on that one anything and you forget about everything else, you're going to miss the point because God is working the everything, not the anything. Some of us need to take our eyes off of controlling that thing, that anything, and lift up our focus to see that God is in control of everything. Paul continues, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which transcends anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as long as you live in Christ Jesus. The biggest threat to our peace is our persistence on controlling the details. Did you catch that? The biggest threat to our peace is our persistence on controlling the details. This farmer goes out and he throws down seeds and he knows, he knows they're small. He knows it's the best he's got and it may not even be much. But the farmer goes to bed he does get some sleep because he trusts God that God can grow the seed while he sleeps. He gets up, and he doesn't understand how it happens. But watch what happens in verse 28. It says, the earth produces the crops on its own. First a blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the, the, the grain ripens. In other words... It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Life happens in stages. People develop in stages. Situations develop in stages. And if we just wait till the next day and we expect it to develop overnight and we forget the stage principle that things happen in stages and that God can do a lot of things really fast and he can change situations really fast and he can, and he can take what we thought he broke and he can fix it really fast. If we forget that things happen in stages, we're going to miss the the concept. We're going to miss the idea that the soil is responsible for the growth. It says, first a blade pushes through. Do you celebrate the small things? A couple of 
weeks ago, or month, month and a half ago, I, I planted some grass in our backyard. And now I'm not a, um, an expert grass grower, um, which is probably why I called it a grass grower, because that's probably not the technical term for it. If I was an expert, then I would have had a better term for it. What would be the right term? Agriculturalist? I don't know. Anyway, I'm not really good at growing grass, but anyway, and so I got it in my backyard and kind of aerated it some, and I threw some seed down, and um, I didn't have one of those cranky things, an, an aerator, isn't that what they're called? I didn't have an aerator, I just kind of threw the seed down. Like this farmer, I was doing a biblical thing, like this farmer, I was throwing the grass seed down, and so I tried to water it for a few days, and we don't have an irrigation system, and finally I get tired of going outside, and so I only watered it a few days, because that was when I got tired of trying to grow grass, but a couple of weeks later, we're, out, we're outside with Riley, my five-year-old, and he's wanting to play baseball, and we're playing t-ball, and like as he's playing, he sees some of the grass that I have sown start to pop up, and of course, it's like he just won the lottery. He's like, Dad, Dad, look, look, and he starts like kicking it, and I'm like, no, 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 it's immature, but he starts kicking it, and he's like, Dad, look, your grass is growing, because he knows to celebrate the small things. Some of us, the antidote to our worry is going to be to recognize the small things that God is growing inside of us. This farmer waits for just a single blade to push through, and then he celebrates it. Do you celebrate the small things in your life? What if you took time celebrating the small things in your life like you take time to worry about the other things? Celebrating the small things takes my eyes off of my circumstances and puts them on my victories and my victor. What if you woke up in the morning and saying, yes, I ate breakfast today. A little cheesy, but it's a start. You got to fake it till you make it. What if I woke up and said, yes, I have coffee today. What if you woke up and said, yes, I have a job today. I don't really want to go, but I have one. What if we woke up and celebrated the small things? I put $2 in savings this week. $2. It was at zero. Now it's at $2. You'll have over $100 in a year. What if you celebrated the small things? My child said thank you one time today. What, that's a start, right? What if you, what if you began to, to, to celebrate the small things instead of worrying about the small losses? What would, it, what would it do to your faith? What would it do to your life? What would it do to the, to the people around you? Jesus concludes this parable in verse 29. It says, as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For harvest time has come. Do you see the principle Jesus is relaying there? He's saying, there's a farmer who knows what to sow, trusts that it'll grow, and then celebrates when God does what only God can do with it. Some of you this morning, I, I, feel, I, I feel it, some of you this morning, you are on the cusp of celebrating what God has done for you. You are on the cusp of celebrating the big thing that you have had your mind on for a long time. But what Jesus wants you to know this morning is he's saying continue to trust. The seed is in the soil. Let the soil do its work. You can't control it. The farmer 
celebrates because the field all of a sudden is ripe. All of a sudden there is crop because when God does something, when you see God's work at hand and you see his work in your life, there's nothing like it. It's so much better seeing what God does with a situation than seeing how I control a situation. It's so much better to see how God blows my mind to look and see the field of things that he's done rather than the little weed that I've been working on. Now, now most people would say that this, this last verse, most, most people a lot smarter than I am and, and theologians would say that this verse is about the Christian growing and at the end of their life, the Christian gets, gets called to home. Most of what I've read said that, but I think there's another application to this verse. Can you throw that back up just for a second? I think there's another application to this verse, to verse 29. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. Anybody know what a sickle is? A sickle is a tool. For harvest time has come. Now, in this parable before, we've had no mention of any tools, have we? We had the farmer throwing the seed out. We had the farmer going to bed, waking up, trusting God to grow the seed. But now, all of a sudden, we have this mention of tools. I think for some of us this morning, we don't have that much trouble doing good things, sowing good seed. Some of us even, we've come to the place in our life where we can even trust while the seed is in the ground, while it's in obscurity, while, while it's still nothing. We can still trust. But for some of us, we're having a hard time putting in the work that comes after. Some of you, you've been praying for an open door and you've been trusting God with it, but you still haven't gone through the door that he's provided. Some of you, you've been doing good things and God has put some good people in your life, but all of a sudden you don't want to get uncomfortable and listen to their input. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like for, 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 for some of us, we get, this, we get the throwing out of the seed and we get the trusting God while the seed is in the ground. It's, it, it's the thing with, with, with having to act on what God is telling us to do that we have trouble with. Some of you, God has been speaking to for weeks about accepting him, accepting his son, and you, you haven't done it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, I don't want to miss this opportunity. God, uh, if, if, if you're in this room today and you feel like, like God is, is impressing on your heart that he wants to take some of this anxiety, that he wants to take some of this hard work, that he wants you to trust him as your savior, if you're in this room this morning and you feel like that, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just say, God, I've messed it up. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. But I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And so this morning, I trust you. I ask you to come into my life. I believe you died. I believe you rose. My life is no longer my own. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's get, let's get practical for just a moment. If you have a piece of paper and a pen, get it out. If you have a phone... Go ahead and get it out. I want to get practical for just a moment. Because I think this concept of worry has, dr has drug too many people down for so long, has drug myself down for too long. And so I started thinking about what can, if, if it were me, 
and I read this parable in my, in my quiet time, my, my Bible reading time, what would be some things that I would want to ask myself? Because that, that's what I do. What would be some things that I would want to ask myself to try to help relieve some of this worry? If I'm not the grower, I'm the sower, and if I have to trust and can't control the details, what are some things that would kind of help walk me through this? And so I've got four words, and of course they spell the word seed, but four questions that you can ask yourself. Number one, what am I sowing? What am I sowing? Am I sowing good things? Am I sowing with integrity and honor? Am I sowing with hard work? Number two, energy. What am I spending my energy on that I can't do anything about? that I, I can't take job, God's job from him? What am I spending my energy, my emotional, my physical energy on that I just can't do anything about? Everything. What does my everything look like? Remember we talked about the anything and the everything. How is God directing my life? And what is he doing in the bigger picture of life? Because that'll help me see things from a different angle. And then doubt. Where am I doubting God that I should be trusting him? Where am I doubting God that I should be trusting him? Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not become weary in doing good. In other words, let us not get tired of of sowing good seed. Let's don't get tired of doing good. Even when it feels like if it's an it's in infancy stage, even when it feels like it's just in the ground and it's obscure and I can't really see it, let's not get tired. Let's not get weary of doing good for at the proper time. In other words, I can't control when and where, but I can trust God that he's got the proper time lined up, that it is proper because it's his, that at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Some of you this morning, what God is telling you and what he wants you to hear this morning is he wants to hear, he wants you to hear, to give it to him, but don't give up. Give it to him, but don't give up. Trust him that he is working everything to your good but don't give up on him. Trust him that that little thing that seems little that you're really concerned about, that he's concerned about it too because it matters to you. And trust him that he is working everything, that the harvest is coming if you will surrender it to him. I can't do anything about the anything. God is already up all night. Let's let him worry about growing the seed. I am gonna focus and I'm gonna pray about everything because worrying changes nothing, but prayer changes everything. God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for caring about the minor details of our life. God, thank you that we don't have to worry about the any things of life, but we can trust you with the everything. God, we believe your plan. God, help for us to believe you're always good. God, for the person in here that that may not know you or just having trouble trusting you. God, let peace come over them right now. Matter of fact, if you're in this room and 
and you have something that you've been worried about that you need to let go of, will you raise your hand? Not that it doesn't matter. Let me pray for you. God, you know the hearts of your people. God, I really believe the people that just raised their hand, that they don't, they don't mean to doubt you. They don't mean it as a slight on their God, but it just seems big. It seems either like it's big in life or it's big right now. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help for them to surrender. God, to sow the seed, but to trust that you'll grow it. God, for the people in here that are chronic worriers and suffer from anxiety, Lord, I pray that they would find the help they need. God, but also that they would know that you are always by their side. They are not alone. They do not fight this battle on their own. Thank you that you are trustworthy. Thank you that our life is in the hands of the only one who can take care of us.